This is my tribe. 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 What's up? Welcome to the Tribe Night Messages podcast. Tribe Night is for students who are curious about faith and eager to discover how a relationship with Jesus could change their lives, their schools, and the heartland. For more information, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at cstone.students or text tribe to 94000. Hope you enjoy the message. What's up, everybody? Hey, Maddie. It's not my birthday, but thank you. Um, that's probably one of my favorite bumpers that we've had, one of them, um, so far. I think that it kind of reminds me of like watching the Discovery Channel. Any other weirdos in the room love watching the Discovery Channel? Just me. Cade. Uh, you think Cade Boland does? What gave it away? I'm raising his hand. No, no, not Kate, not Kate. Um, it reminds me of a time I went to the movies to watch this movie that I didn't realize was a documentary, and all of our friends were like hype because um, it was going to have like tigers and lions and things fighting, and we got there, and it was a documentary narrated by Oprah. Um, I secretly love Oprah sometimes, but the documentary was pretty boring, so... Moral of the story is, make sure you review a movie before you go watch it, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, Raise your hand if you have a sibling. Wow, like your parents love you and your siblings. Um, One of the best parts about having a brother or sister, um, to me, is you can blame stuff on them. Like, it's part of the sibling dynamic. I'm sure none of you in the room has ever blamed anything on your brother or sister. I mean, you can point at them when something breaks in the kitchen. You can shove your green beans on their plate so you can get dessert before they can. Um, I honestly believe that brothers and sisters are reasons for phrases like, they did it first, or it wasn't my fault. I think that's why they were invented, because we always love blaming our brothers and sisters on things. Even if you don't have a sibling, which is a very small amount of you in the room, you probably have someone in your childhood who put the blame on you for something they did. Maybe it was a cousin, a classmate, a friend, or maybe knowing some of you in this room, you had, you were that someone that was blamed for all of the mess ups. 
Our impulses as kids don't really change as we become adults. So if you're waiting for your adulthood to arrive so that your impulses on blaming others would change or your impulses in general would change, sorry to be the bearer of bad news today that they don't really change as you become an adult. We remain pretty skilled at avoiding responsibility and putting the blame on someone else. So let me ask you a question. Do you remember the last time that you felt guilty? Do you remember the last time that you felt guilty? For some of you, it may be You copied a little too much of your friend's homework. Some of you audibly like, oh my God. Like, some of you, that was this past week. Or if you were smart like me, you didn't just copy your friend's homework, you just gave them 10 bucks and they did it for you. Uh, anyone in the room admit to that one? Just me? Cool, I'm out there alone. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. 20 bucks minimum, like inflation, man. Well. If it's 20 bucks minimum, they have to be the smart kid. Like, if they're just the kid that's wanting to do it, if you're not getting an A, you're not getting 20 bucks. That's how, I'm not saying you should do that. Or maybe you didn't tell your girlfriend the whole story of what happened at a party. Some of you gasped at that one. I mean, we see TV shows and movies that centered around this thought here. Secrets make friends. Secrets ruin relationships as well. But, you know, eh. Saturdays are for the boys, am I right? Uh, <laughs> or maybe you lingered a little too long on that website that you shouldn't have been viewing. Or maybe you told your stepmom that you were going to one place, and you did, but it was with a different crowd than you told her you would be with. I know this is one of the ones that I used to do all the time. I would tell my mom I was going to the movies with my girlfriend, and we'd never actually watched any of the movies. We just kind of like, our parents dropped us off, and then we walked around the shopping center and didn't watch the movie. To this day, my mom thinks I've seen Fantastic Four. Never seen it, but she paid for it, supposedly. Um, or maybe you said you were studying the whole time, but you were just binging a new show with your textbook open. Anyone ever done that? Two hours ago, like before I came to church today, that was what happened. Here's one that I didn't put on this, the slide, um, since you guys are so interactive. So maybe some of you felt guilty for the way that you danced or acted at prom the last couple weekends. I don't know. Um, maybe not Marion's prom, because it was outside at the square. Was that off? No, they moved it indoors, didn't they? Yeah. So, I mean, been there, done that. They didn't give out any cool t-shirts and jackets, so I don't have anything to show for it. Yeah, yeah. They're all, there are all sorts of things to feel guilty about. And no matter how old we get, it seems like our reaction is a lot like a five-year-old. I don't know if you've ever been around a five-year-old. I don't know if some of you in the room have siblings that are five-year-olds. But we hide, we stretch the truth, we make up excuses, or we try to cover it up all together. You see, when we feel guilty, we get really good at hiding. And we have all sorts of hiding tricks. 
Like, we avoid our tribe leaders or our coaches that are in our lives. We try not to make eye contact with our teachers or people that might call us out on things. We ghost our friends. We play it cool around people in charge. We may even turn off your location or hide your location. Shout out to those Live 360 people out there so your parents don't know where you are. Like, you just go into hiding. We do everything that we can to act as though nothing happened. Even though on the inside we know what we did was wrong and it's eating us up. And this isn't just what we do with other people. If you're like me and you believe in God, chances are good that your guilt at some point has caused you to hide from him as well. You see, we know God knows what we did is wrong, so we back away from our relationship with him. You see, it's easy to hide something we did from the people around us, but it seems more complicated to hide from God. I mean, we can't actually run away from him, so we just start to make him less and less important in a less and less important part of our lives. If we were honest, most of us in this room, including every leader in this room, has been there. Maybe you still go to your small group, but when the conversation gets real, you don't speak up. You avoid all kinds of accountability and community because it would mean that you have to be real with them and take your mask off. Maybe you still show up at church, but you're not really feeling it in worship anymore, and you don't even know if you want to be here. You don't sing the songs as loud, jump up and down as much, and flat out, you aren't even going through the motions anymore, but you show up. Or maybe you tell everyone that you have too much going on with school and with sports, but really, you just don't want to participate in this safe stuff anymore. I mean, if we were to get real and pause for a moment and look around the room, even though this last year has been chaotic and we're moving into summer and people are traveling and travel sports and all that kind of stuff, a lot of people use excuses to get out of church things. There are a lot of people that are normally in this room that haven't been in this room for the last year and a half because of excuses. Maybe you're burned out. You justify being a loner because being real with people is too much. Busy has become your excuse, or maybe even busy has become your safety blanket, and it shields you from the world and from the emotions that you're truly feeling. You see, no matter what it looks like for you, we all tend to let our guilt get in the way of our faith at times. Thankfully for you and me, we're not the first people to have these kind of experiences with guilt. The Bible provides plenty of examples of people that we can learn from, and we're going to talk about one of them tonight. So for the last few weeks, we've been in a series called Afterlife. We looked at people who physically saw Jesus after the resurrection. See, when you see a friend who died now walking around alive, it changes you. For many people, their lives were radically different after they saw a resurrected Jesus. 
their life after or their afterlife was dramatically changed. And that includes a guy named Peter. Peter was one of Jesus' closest, closest friends and a key leader during the early days of the Christian movement. Low-key Peter is one of my favorite disciples. He was rough. He was ready to go at the drop of the hat. He had those come at me, bro type of vibes. You know what I'm talking about? Peter was ruthless in some ways. Peter was real. Peter was Tebow. <laughs> you, knew it, you knew it was coming. Just call me Peter. <laughs> Don't actually call me Peter. That might get awkward. But you see, Peter had some run-ins with guilt and shame just like we all sometimes do. Peter was known as being Jesus's loud friend. We all have that friend that we would say is a loud friend. And if you don't know who that person is, you might be the loud friend. And Peter being the loud friend got Peter in trouble a lot of times. And the worst example of this happened when Jesus was sentenced to die on a cross. When Jesus was arrested, Peter literally cut a guy's ear off to defend Jesus. Now, I'm not recommend that's the way that you prove your loyalty to your friends, but, you know, if you're trying to prove your loyalty to me and I'm being attacked and you cut someone's ear off, ride or die forever. But, hey, at least Peter was there for Jesus, right? But then just hours later, when Jesus was given a sketchy, in bogus trial, Peter stood nearby and lied three separate times about his connection to Jesus. He denied even knowing the guy. Even worse, before any of this happened, Jesus told Peter that he would do exactly that, that he would deny being connected to Jesus. Jesus basically told Peter, I've experienced your loyalty so far, but when it comes down to the end, you won't be loyal to me anymore. And Peter defends himself, reassuring Jesus that he would never do that. Jesus, I could never deny you. Jesus, I would never deny you. And then at Jesus's lowest moment, that's exactly what Peter did. You see, Jesus was arrested, tried and nailed to a Roman cross. And the last thing Peter did was deny even knowing Jesus. I mean, I almost feel guilty for him. What a brutal way to end your story, right? But like we've talked about in this series, Jesus' death wasn't the end of the story. The resurrection happens. He doesn't just die. He raises again. The tomb is empty and Jesus is alive. The whole direction of the story changes, which is awesome, unless you're Peter. He probably had some mixed feelings. He probably thought, I'm so glad Jesus is back, but does that mean I have to face him after what I did to him? I mean, think about it. You're one of Jesus' closest friends. You love this guy. You gave up your life. You're following him. You're serving him. You're doing everything for him, and he looks at you and says, you're going to deny me three times. You go, there's no way, Jesus, I'm not going to do that. You do it three times, he dies. Put yourself in Peter's shoes for a second. If I were Peter, I'd be like, I mean, 
kind of happy he's dead because now I don't have to deal with it. But then he raises again and you see the guy and it's like that awkward moment where you forget to text someone back or you're ignoring someone. You know, none of you would ever do anything like that. Um, it's kind of how I felt when I saw Wyatt at church two weeks ago. He sent me a text and I forgot to respond. Um, to this day, I still haven't responded. So it made me feel really awkward. Not as bad as denying Wyatt exists because he does exist. Um, that was a bad joke. Anyways, haha, thank you, everyone. Um, but he probably had mixed feelings when Jesus came back. To Peter, it's possible that the resurrection was a reminder of the guilt that he felt when he denied Jesus three times. And if he felt guilt, I sometimes wonder if it ran through all of the same phases of guilt that we all go through. I wonder if he wanted to lie, to exaggerate, to defend himself, or even hide from Jesus altogether. A few days later, Jesus was on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, and Peter was on the boat with the other disciples and saw Jesus. They went to the shore. Jesus made breakfast. Come on. I'm sure he made some flapjacks or something. Y'all, you squirt flapjacks? Pancakes. Pancakes. Pancakes are... Let's take a quick poll. Pancakes or waffles? If you like pancakes, raise your hand. If you like waffles, raise your hand. The only thing waffles has going for them, my, my mind is Shrek, where he goes, in the morning, we're eating waffles, or whatever he says. So what? Peanut butter in my waffles. Am I an animal? Wow, wow. Yes, butter on pancakes is better than peanut butter. Okay, you ain't got to clap at me. We ain't about to fight. Who's going to cut her ear off? Let's go. Um, so when they went to shore, Jesus made breakfast, and he brought up the same thing that no doubt was weighing on Peter's mind. So in the book of John, chapter 21, verse 15, it says this. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. And again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Peter denied knowing Jesus three times, and then Jesus asked Peter, do you love me three times? In other words, for every time that Peter denied knowing Jesus, Jesus gives Peter another chance. And in giving him a chance, Peter knows he is loved and forgiven. Jesus wants Peter to know that he has a second chance. He even tells Peter that he wants him to continue to lead, which is why he tells him to feed his sheep. This exchange to me is so interesting. Jesus asked Peter if he still loves him. As humiliating and terrible as it was for Peter to deny Jesus, here was a chance to make it right. 
Even though Peter may have given up on himself, Jesus hadn't given up on him. So let's sit in that for just a moment. Some of you are in that very place today, and you need to hear that. Just because you have given up on yourself, it does not mean that Jesus has given up on you. You see, Peter could have given into the guilt and gone into hiding, but that isn't what Jesus wanted for Peter. Jesus didn't want Peter's life to be drained by guilt. He didn't want it to be defined by guilt. He wanted Peter to experience grace. Peter knew Jesus had been killed, and he saw Jesus after he came back to life. This proved to Peter that Jesus was capable of offering him the grace he needed to forgive himself. The resurrection showed Peter that the power Jesus had and Peter's encounter with Jesus on the beach showed that Jesus chose to offer him powerful grace. The resurrection proved that guilt didn't have to destroy Peter's faith. Instead, grace could destroy his guilt and fuel his faith. You see, because of grace, Peter was no longer controlled by his guilt. Because of grace, Peter accepted the love Jesus offered him. And because of grace, Peter traveled around the world preaching about that same grace that changed his life forever. Think of it this way. Because of, the because of the resurrection, Peter knew he was forgiven. I don't know what's been causing you to feel guilt, but chances are that the entire time that we've discussed this topic, you've had something in your mind, something running in your mind that you maybe feel guilty about. If you're ready for something new, I want to give you a couple of steps three steps exactly, that you can start taking now. Here's the first one. Get real about where you feel guilt. This can be really tough, especially if you've hidden something so deep that you feel numb to it. But think about where, you're, where you feel lingering guilt right now in this moment. Be honest with yourself about it. Acknowledge it. Journal about it, or even put it down in a note on your phone. Just get honest with yourself. Here's the second thing. Remember that guilt is no match for God's grace. Ask God to remind you that he is with you and he is for you even on the days when you feel guilty. Ask him to cover up your guilt with the overwhelming reality of his grace. Listen, the resurrection matters for a lot of reasons. It shows us how big God's love is, what exactly God is like, and how God is more powerful than anything, including death. But it also shows us that Jesus is bigger than our guilt. And if Jesus gives us grace, it's ours for the taking. So when you feel those old guilt feelings kick in, ask God to give you a new reaction to that guilt. And here's the last thing. Keep showing up and speaking up. Do the opposite of what the guilt may have guided you to do in the past. Instead of hiding, show up in your small group text thread or at your church gathering. Show up to hang out with your friends. Show up to the meetups with your tribe group leaders. 
You see, after the resurrection, Peter didn't hide from Jesus. It would have been easier to, but he didn't do that. So like Peter, we just need to keep showing up. The resurrection proved that our guilt is no match for God's grace. We don't have to let guilt change our faith anymore. Instead, we get to let grace change our guilt. We know that talking about God's grace is one thing, but experiencing it is something entirely different. And that's why we have tribe groups. We want you to have a safe place to fight for that grace when your guilt feels too heavy. The leaders that are in this room, the people that are in your tribe groups, they're there for you. Tribe groups is one of the safest places for you to discover this alongside your friends and your tribe group leaders. You see, your tribe group leaders have gone through training on how to handle some pretty tough conversations. We trust them. And they have people that they can get real with about their guilt in their own lives. They have encountered grace and they will pass the same grace on to you. Why? Because that's what the resurrection of Jesus is demonstrated in Peter's life and that's what we're called to live. And that's why Peter's afterlife was so powerful while he was still alive on earth. Because of the resurrection, Peter realized that grace is greater than any guilt that he would ever have felt. And because of the resurrection, you can realize that as well. Let me pray for you. God, I just thank you for your gifts of Jesus. Thank you that he came to earth as a baby and lived a perfect life to create a way for us to get to you. Us and our guilt and our shame laced in our sin, he created a path. He died on the cross for our sins. He took the shame, the guilt, and the sin of every person in this room, every person that's listening. He did it to create a path for us to get to you. God, I pray that as we prepare for tribe groups that we're just open, open to questions, open to conversations. I thank you for the students in this room that didn't want to be here tonight, but they are. I pray for the students that aren't in this room. I pray that you would just start to stir something inside of them to where they realize that they miss community. And God, I thank you for every leader that's in this room. Pray that you just continue to bless them for the sacrifices that they make for these students, whether these students realize it or not. We pray all of these things in your son's name, Jesus. Amen.